University, a podcast with value. Penny University presents a torn heart, loss of a child. How do you open and introduce a new series on loss of a child? It has been on my heart for a very long time to share a few stories on this type of loss. There are several types of loss, spouse, parent, friend. The list can go on and on. Each has its specific pain associated with the loss. Sadly, I have experienced several deaths in my life. We all have, and we all know of the sting of death. We all experience death in some way and at some point in time. Heck, we will personally experience death. It is the one guarantee in life. Loss of a child is membership to a club no one wants. Most of us pray, think, hope that it will never happen. Some of us have to walk. No, crawl on that path. Yes, I lost a child, my youngest son, Andrew, and I will share my story at the end of this series. I hope you listen to every episode. There are people that are living with holes in their hearts. Yes, living. Thank you for giving us the time to share our stories, to let you know of our loved ones' lives. I trust that this series is for everyone. Get to know some incredible people. Welcome to A Torn Heart, Loss of a Child. Episode 3. She was a warrior. Welcome back to Penny University's new series, A Torn Heart, Loss of a Child. Um, Today is episode three, and we have Charlie Coons, and she was a warrior. I need to first thank you um, and give a huge thanks to everyone who listens and then sends us a message. You guys really rock. Please remember to listen, like, and share with your friends, family, anywhere. Share it anywhere. Um, You can head over to the Facebook page to see photos of everyone I talk with and um, know that your support is priceless. We are continuing to work through social distancing. So I am here in my office um, and my guest is on his front porch and we're doing it through my good old reliable um, computer. So you'll hear the humming of the computer. Um, You'll just hear the wind possibly. Um, And... It's, you know, it's just my good old computer. Charlie's a good old guy too, so I think you'll like that. Now this series is on losing a child, so that has a lot of raw feelings. And so I believe the rawness of this recordings actually fit also. So with this third episode of the series, A Torn Heart, Loss of a Child, I am going to visit with Charlie Coons. And this episode is about loss, so it might get a little emotional, so just please have patience with us. So, Charlie, tell me about you. How I know you, Charlie. I've known you a long time. So tell me a little bit about yourself, though, Charlie, so people that are hearing can know who you are. Well, I'm... Uh... I'm 65 years young. I was born in Spokane, Washington. It's my home. And uh, I have a, a 
a fabulous wife, uh, Kathy Kuhn. Uh, we've been married. It'll be 45 years next, next month. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, she's, and it's always been a perfect marriage. Uh, not anyway, <laughs> uh, you know that, I mean, we've, we've struggled with things, but, uh, you know, we, she's been through it all with me and that's, that's very cool. Um, we've had three children. Um, uh, my oldest is Tim. My next is Christopher. And my next one was Jessica and Jesse, uh, was born in, uh, 1980. And she's, uh, she was, the, you know, my sparkle in my eyes. She was really pretty special. I delivered her at the hospital. I actually did the delivery, uh, at Madigan army hospital. And the nurse, my, our doctor, said she thought I had enough confidence. So I went through classes. I said, sure, I'll do it. Went through classes. And uh, when we went in, we were we were from the Air Force. So we went in the Army Hospital. And the nurses there didn't know I wasn't a doctor. And so I directed the whole thing and, and delivered her and clamped and cut the cord. On her way out, she was a uh, big nurse standing next to me. And I said, go ahead and push, Kath. She pushed. We got Jesse's head out, and I said, oh, Cass, she's a beautiful girl. And this big nurse nudged me, and she said, Doctor, you don't know that yet. And I said, sure, I do. Look at this. Push again. And here we had a little girl. Oh, my gosh. That's beautiful. And um, Charlie and I have known each other. We met, as you kind of heard, Charlie was in the military, um, and he helps quite a bit of veterans. You, you To this day, every day. You help veterans of all eras um, work through PTSD and um, those type of issues. And that's how we met, is I was working for a veterans organization. And um, you are, are just amazing. Here you are, this man who's been through a lot. And I remember your stories um, that you shared from Vietnam. And you still care about everybody and when I asked you if you were interested in doing this one of the comments you said is if it you know it helps somebody you know it's emotional and um, we you just shared with me how you're dealing with a brain infection and how that also makes you emotional and helped you've lost some of your memories um, and you were okay with me sharing that because it might help somebody absolutely where do you get that strength Charlie Well, I think that, you know, uh, I think that we're, we're here to not just get through life, but help people get through life. And it's, uh, everybody has struggles, everyone. And if, uh, you know, I, I told guys all the time, you know, if you want to, if you've got to go through a minefield, follow somebody that's been there. And so the, the losses, how I dealt with it, all of those things that I've been through, if I can save uh, you from having to take a long ride with a gun and, and really contemplate whether you're coming back, um, that's important. It is. Um, and again, I thank you 
for helping me with this. So I know about you. You've been married 45 years. Um, Kathy is an amazing woman herself, strong, powerful. But I wanted to talk with a dad. I wanted to understand how a dad deals with this. So you shared that um, I love how the title you picked for these, this episode is She Was a Warrior. So tell me a little bit about Jessica. Sure. Um, Jesse had to uh, had to deal with two great big, you know, rough, tough, sometimes mean brothers, and and she did it well, and and she uh, she always held her own. Um, she she was good in school, although she just she didn't finish school. Um, she got distracted. Not going into that, but uh, she was. Um, always just a, a sweetheart, really beautiful girl. She was in uh, cheerleading and, and all that stuff in high school. Um, she was very independent, liked to uh, work things out herself. And, and uh, I, you know, the time that, that we spent together, uh, she, was, she was just so much fun. And I remember in high school, um, Kathy and I, the boys were already out and, and on her own. They were 21 or so. And and she was still in high school, but we took a vacation. We lived in Tacoma, Washington at the time, and we took a vacation over to uh, Idaho to visit my relatives, and she brought her best friend, her high school friend. And it was a road trip that, was, that we'll never forget. It was just fabulous. And uh, the girls were so silly and, and had so much fun, you know, and – we were, we were driving through Idaho, and in Idaho, there's these huge uh, bales of hay and stuff. And we'd be driving along, and all of a sudden, one of the girls from the back would go, hey! <laughs> and they go, no, no, hey! Right there, you know? And yes. it, was, it was just a funny, silly trip like that. But, yeah, that's, that's what she was about. She was, she was always happy. You know, she was always happy, and... Always willing to help. She had a big heart, and uh, you know, until until her senior year in high school, and she she got off track. Well, Charlie, I think Jessica sounds amazing, and um, sadly, I, I I have to ask, how did you lose Jessica? And I do know that there's kind of a pre-story that kind of prepared the stage for um, her loss. So, can you share that with us? Sure. So I, uh, again, I was an Air Force veteran, uh, in, uh, uh, 1975, I was in Southeast Asia, uh, Phnom Penh had fallen, uh, Saigon had already fallen. So basically the, the war was over and we, uh, I was in a commando base in, in Northern Thailand, right on the Mekong River. And we, our task was to rescue and, and uh, pull out, uh, down pilots, that type of thing. And so during that time, there was a, a U.S. freighter called the USS Mayaguez. And the Mayaguez was a uh, uh, cargo, U.S. cargo ship, and it was taken by the Cameroon warriors uh, uh, down in southern Cambodia. Um, we were tasked that night. Uh, I would Actually, we were out bowling with the, the security cops that night, just having a good time, you know, Air Force. And uh, we all got alert, went back out uh, with our 
gear and, and stuff and prepared to uh, load three helicopters with guys to mobilize to go down and rescue these people. And so the security cops that I was bowling with were friends of mine, and so I was loading their helicopter, and I was mobility, so I thought I was going to go as well. But my sergeant came along at the last minute, and he said, Charlie, you're not going. We've got another wave of troops going out. You're going to stay and, and help with that. And I was disappointed. Uh, but uh, there was a, a young troop, uh, security forces troop, that wanted to go, and there wasn't any room on the, on the planes. But since I wasn't going, he talked him into getting on this aircraft. And uh, the call sign on that plane was Knife 13, Knife 13. Uh, and so uh, he, he climbed on. A fellow came along beside me and said, excuse me, Sarge, and he, and he snapped a picture of the back of it. If you go to Google and say the Mayaguez or Knife 13, uh, you'll see that picture. It's a picture of the guys, and the kid is the second kid on the right side. Anyway, uh, it didn't mean anything to me at that time. I, I thought he was lucky, and, and I wasn't. So I gave him guys a thumbs up and, and uh, you know, said something rude, and they all took off. And, and uh, 10 minutes out, uh, just as they banked over Cambodia and, and started south, that, that bird took a rocket and went down. Um <gasps> Only three guys I knew. Oh, Charlie, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and uh, and that kid, kid that took my spot. You know, so it. Um, you know, I it, I had really mixed feelings of of guilt. And you know, I'm 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 like, man, I should have been on that bird, and then. God, I'm glad I wasn't on that bird. You know, it's just so, it, the thoughts are so confusing. And so, shortening it up some, uh, the next couple of days, um, I had to spend the terrible task of, of uh, sending um, caskets back to the U.S. And, and it was just, it was a tough time. But what got me through that was looking forward, looking ahead. I had, we had plans for June to get married. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to come home, but that's what I had to keep focused on because otherwise, and, and the time between then and June, I don't, I don't remember almost anything. Uh, it was just a lot of drinking, a lot of drinking. And so anyway, um, I got on a plane, came home in June and Kathy and I got married. Uh, and it was fabulous. Uh, I was home for a week. We got married. I was home another week. We went to Yosemite, spent the week, and then uh, uh, we, the money that we had saved for our honeymoon, we gave to her folks to go to Hawaii. <laughs> uh, that was a surprise. Anyway, so I, I say all that background story because from 1975 until um, 2005, um, I lost the ability to cry. I I just didn't have any emotion. I lost I lost it. I was pretty numb. And and you know, I lost both my parents. They they both passed away during that time. Kathy's parents passed away during that time. And I was just numb. I just didn't have any 
um, heart emotion about that, you know, about loss. And uh, it's it's a pretty sad way to be. I also had, uh, we didn't know it then, we didn't know what that was all about, but, but PTSD from what I'd been through. And so um, we get up to 2005, and I don't know if you want me to go right into what sure, happened with Jessica. Sure, sure. What, okay. what happened to Jessica? So she was in high school. Uh, she was a senior, and she met some folks and started running around with folks that uh, were were partying and, and not so good, and I think there was some drugs involved, although I don't know that she'd ever, you know, was ever doing the drugs and all that, but she just wanted to be connected with them. And and this one boy that, uh, that she really liked, uh, he was a year or two younger than her, a tall black boy that was... Um, had a really, really deep voice, and I, I, he he knew how to pay attention to her. And anyway, he became her boyfriend. And um, in in um, let's see, in two thousand, yeah, in two thousand, she was pregnant. And forgive me if I screw up my dates because my memory is a little messed up. Not but, not to yeah, worry. She was. Uh, she got pregnant and um, she had she had a baby and the baby's name is Linnea and Linnea is beautiful. Um, Kathy and I went to the hospital and as well as Chris, her boyfriend, and he didn't have the stomach to be in with her, so Kathy and I helped deliver Linnea. And uh, and her, her middle name is Nicole as well, so Linnea Nicole, and so. We delivered Linnea, and um, that was great. Uh, and and we brought her home. But uh, the problem was that Chris, now Daddy, um, was was and a lot of this we didn't know uh, was abusive, and and into drugs, and not into work, not into providing for the family, and so things were really tough that way and so uh sometime about a year into that we uh kathy and i decided you know the best way to to uh help jessica because it was very very uh, uh harsh relationship was maybe if we were to move away and take jesse that would give him a chance to um, find work and get his head on straight and all that. And, and really what we'd hoped is that he would just go away. But that didn't happen. So Kath and I, I uh, took a new job in Southern California, actually in Fresno, California, Central Coast, Murder Central. And we, we moved the whole family. I left him her car and just gave it to him. And we moved south with Kath and I and Jessica and the baby. And my dog. <laughs> we moved to Fresno and lived with Kathy's uh, brother and sister-in-law. They took us in, and it was pretty um, shocking uh, change of, of lifestyle because we went from a three, four-bedroom house to a one-room, you know, and lived like that. And so uh, Jessica was—it was hard for her, but she started to 
do the things that was going to help her and and started to go to counseling, started to um, go to church, started to do those things that we thought would would give us back our, our little girl. But uh, he never, Chris uh, never let go and continued to call, continued to, to um you know, tell her he, he needed her back, continue to, you know, torment her. And, and instead of, instead of her severing that tie, she, she let it continue to be connected. So, uh, we, at one point we got threats from him. He said, if we didn't let her come home to him, he was going to come down and kill all of us. And, um, so, me being the friendly guy I was, I said, bring me, you know. So, uh, but it scared my, my wife's family, the brother and sister. And so uh, he, in fact, bought a gun and, and all that kind of thing. And we just didn't want to inflict that. So uh, I was working for Airborne Express at the time. And uh, at that point, they sent me uh, away to another station uh, for a temporary duty to help out. And as I was gone, Chris came and snagged Jessica and the baby and went back to the Northwest, went back to Tacoma. So we, Kath and I were very frustrated with it. We kind of severed that and, and said, okay, well, whatever, you made your choice. And so over the next few months, she would call us and need money or she'd call us and tell us, you know, how bad things were. And, and I went, I actually, for business, traveled up there several times and, and visited her and saw her and tried to convince her to come back, but she wouldn't. And uh, her, her, her face just looked a little different to me. And later I figured out that she'd been beaten several times. And uh, so uh, one night in... In uh, 2005, um, please look be right, 2005, I'm sure. Um, I was just getting ready. I worked nights, so I was just getting ready to go into work. And I got a call on the phone, and it was from the detectives in Portland, Oregon. And they were sad to inform me that uh, my daughter had been murdered. And... And I, I couldn't believe it. I, I said, are you sure? I mean, who, what's her name? And, and I got all the verifications, and it, it was like a gut punch. I, it knocked the air out of me. Um, I said, who did it, Chris? And they said, well, he's, he's being detained. And so um, I, I, I didn't know what to say. I, I, said, I said, thank you, and I hung up. And I went out, Kathy was in the living room, and I went out of the bedroom, and I went to her, and Kathy will say this, she, she never wants to see this again. I crushed. I, um, yeah, I, I fell on my knees, and then on my face, and I wailed. There are tons of podcasts out there. You have options. Penny University is truly a podcast with value, and we strive to share great true stories. Some are plain fun. Some might bring a tear to your eye and maybe even make you a little angry. Listen to them all. Please listen, like, and share. 
head over to our Facebook page, see who we are. And thanks for listening. You are listening to Penny University, a podcast with value. We hope you are finding this presentation touching and maybe even healing. If you would like to share your two cents, please contact Deborah at pennyuniversity at protonmail.com. You can also send a message to any of our guests. Now, back to Penny University's presentation of A Torn Heart, Loss of a Child. We're back, Charlie. You, I, I can't even imagine wrapping my head around a phone call that my daughter had been murdered. I... I I, I, no wonder. And then here, all of these emotions that have been dammed up in you since Vietnam and that loss, it's like you are hit with a bat. I, I don't know how to deal with this. So how, how did you deal with this? Honest, just, just true honesty. When, uh, when I could breathe again, when I, um, look Kathy in the eye and, and you know, said we lost her. Um, at that point, I, you know, I needed, I needed something more to help me through. And so from that point, amazing uh, blessings started to happen. God showed himself really right away. So one of the first things we did was called Kathy's sister brother-in-law down in, in uh, southern uh, Arizona, Apache Junction, actually. They live in a retirement area, and we told them what happened and, and cried with them. And, 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 and they said they would come up and meet us in Portland because we had to fly up to Portland like within a couple of days. And so they, uh, they were walking through their mobile home park, and they saw one of their friends out on the, on the porch, and, and, the, and the friend said, hey, are you coming to play bingo or whatever? And, and they said, no, we've got to go up there. We've lost our our uh, our our niece has been murdered and they got and we got to go to portland and she said she this is amazing and a god blessing she said well let me get hold of my daughter and they said why she said because she is the victim's advocate for portland oregon oh wow (laughs) for the police department there and and she will she will help them with all the arrangements and, and take care of everything so that that was blessing one. Uh, two, uh, at home in Fresno, we called the police department and shared with them what had you know what had happened, and they sent a chaplain out. And um, that chaplain was amazing, just compassionate and um, a good man. And so it gave me an example of of what. Uh, what was to come anyway um so we ended up going up there and and we got up to portland and we didn't well we had to borrow some money right away and we had no problem everything seemed like you know the, the term somebody greased the wheels god would just grease the wheels and and so we got a loan for some money right away we flew up there got uh uh, uh a priority flights and that kind of thing. And, and then when we were there, uh, we were able to, uh, claim, you know, claim the body and, and see Jessica, 
Um, Kathy couldn't go in and see her because she just didn't, she didn't want to have that memory. And I, I saw her and the poor thing, it was uh, pretty, pretty abused, pretty beat up, but I, I could recognize her anyway. And uh, he had, he had uh, beaten her, tortured her for two days before she succumbed. Oh, Charlie, I'm so sorry. How, and then, how, and then, how do you deal with that? Huh? How do you deal with that? I mean, just the stir. I just had to, you know, I just just had to uh, internalize it and and lots of mixed feelings, lots of God, what did I do to deserve this? And it, there was there was an internal battle going on. You know, I I haven't always been the best person, and and I you know I kind of isolated from the kids while I was trying to provide a life for them. I mean, I worked three jobs for most of the kids growing up and uh, just to provide. And then, so anyway, um, again, lots of people helped us while we were there going through that. And then we saw Linnea, and Linnea was really the, the, the spark that gave us hope to look forward, you know. But um, I, I was... Uh, so at this point, I was an angry guy. I was very, uh, uh, at that point, you could say I was murderous. I, I wanted from, from that point, I wanted to, um, I wanted to get hold of it. Uh, and the only thing I could think of was revenge. And so uh, from 2005 until uh 2009 probably after we moved here i never slept through the night i i uh i couldn't sleep i'd, I'd sleep and then i would have terrible dreams or i'd wake up thinking of another way to get hold of it and i'll be honest i i probably killed him a thousand or ten thousand different ways uh in my mind i even had a scheme at one time of what kind of a criminal act i could do to get in the prison where he was so that I could get hold of it. That's the drive I had. Um, Were you, and so, Charlie, I have a question. Um, I think that that's, I, I have never lost a child like that, but I would think that that would be fully normal. Um, but how do you deal with the loss of Jessica when you're so busy dealing with the hatred towards this young man? You know, how did you get to your heal? You know, your feelings for Jessica. I replaced crying with hate. I replaced okay. crying with anger. I, I, it, it felt good to think of all the terrible things I could do to, and, mm. and it. The trouble is, it consumed me and. The trouble with, and I just shared this with another friend that was struggling with, with hatred. And I said, the, the problem is, it's like you drinking poison, expecting the other guy to die. It, oh. it kills you. It eats you alive. And so not only did he kill my daughter, he was killing me. And it, it, uh, it was devastating. And then one day... In 2009, we had, we'd already moved to Prescott. We lived, we moved here in December 2008. Uh, we'd been going to the Heights Church, and 
at church, uh, the pastor came in and he said, you know, I had a different message to preach today, but today my, my message is going to be on forgiveness. And it was like I got hit over the head. I, I was sitting in the front row and, and he kept looking at me and, and I realized at that point that it didn't matter how much I did or hated or the terrible things I thought I could do to this guy. It didn't matter because it wouldn't bring Jessica back. And it was, it was eating me alive. And so uh, his message was strong about forgiveness and about, you know, uh, there's, there's scripture about, you know, forgiving uh, uh, your, your enemy and giving it to the Lord. And the Lord will uh, uh, pile heaping coals on their head. And I, it just made sense. I fell on my knees again and, and I said, God, I give it to you. I forgive him. I, he, he, I, I, I don't forgive the act, but I am releasing this. It's no longer my burden. I'm giving it to you. And I cried some more, <laughs> but I slept that night. Oh, Charlie. Oh, Charlie, I had to take a breather. I, I am, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you're doing it. I, I deal with my loss as a whole in my heart every day. And you are just inspiring. So how are you dealing every day now that you're not consumed with hatred? What do you do? Well, we knew that, that uh, the only thing to move forward is action. And so um, after I had you know, forgiven. Uh, Pastor made it very clear that, that it's just not a one-time thing. You're going to need to come, you know, every weekend. You're going to need to pray. Give me a list of, of scripture to read. And, and it was a really intense program of accepting what I had said that I forgiven and to, to buy in, if you will. And so I did that. And then um, during that time, probably a year later, uh, another friend of ours uh, knew that knew our story and said, "Hey, the Heights has a program called Grief Share, and would you be willing to come to that?" Well, we came to one, and uh, and then we came to the next one, and they're because they're twelve weeks long, and then <laughs> and then we ended up leading that course for tw- for uh, for ten years. And so two courses a two courses a year for ten years we did and um, so you replaced that hatred with helping. Yep, had had refocused. So then that that wasn't quite enough. We loved leading people through it, and and, and the first night is the hardest because they tell our story. Um, and then that wasn't enough. I've again I've always had the heart for veterans, so I got involved with with several veteran organizations that deal with vets for PTSD and traumatic brain injury. Uh, one is called the, where we started was ethos. And that's where you and I met. Yes. And yes. that led through the, uh, combat trauma healing manual. That was a wonderful, uh, boot camp for me. Learned a lot there, but then I got involved with reboot combat recovery, which is a national organization. 
and they do great courses. We, we lead those courses here now. We started it in Arizona. And then a very good friend, and we were at a, at a conference and met Chad Robichaud from Mighty Oaks Warriors. And Chad is a uh, uh, Marine veteran that uh, we became friends and such good friends, they moved from California here. So they live up in, in here in the Prescott area. And his organization does the same thing for veterans and and for veterans and their wives. They have camps all over the country. Uh, and, and then we've branched off. Both of those organizations now have a, a, a sep, separate uh, class for first responders. So now we're dealing with veterans and their wives, first responders and their wives, and and then grief share. And then I didn't quite have enough, so I'm uh, the chaplain with the Chino Valley PD now. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Charlie. So I don't even know if I can sum this up. I, you, and I, and I love even more that you wanted to title this, She Was a Warrior. Domestic violence is, I I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know how to give some, and I don't want to give it some trite description. So here we have horrific domestic violence. You get a phone call of losing your daughter, and and then you have to deal with that. You walk through that. You walk through the loss of your brothers in Vietnam, and you turn it around to healing i know you are highly involved with you raised her daughter correct i mean so yeah she's still here she's 20 she's going to college she lives with us so you have this beautiful grandchild you've turned your life to this beauty when i know that every day you think of jessica and you think of the others that you've lost and you've replaced that loss with service and I commend you. I, I am honored to know you, Charlie. <laughs> it's been a blessing to know you. It, you know, it, it really, really helped me uh, to deal with you and the families of the hotshots. We were there. We were there um, every the day. It happened. Yes. And stayed there all week, and and uh, just just ministered to the families. Well, I'm going to share one little story because um, we need to start closing this episode down. And actually, in this episode, I don't really talk a lot about Andrew and the crew. Um, I talk about just Andrew, right? Um, But the night we heard and we were sent to the middle school, um, I remember looking out in the parking lot and there you were. And you were standing there with a bunch of other people and you looked at me and you said, we're praying. And it gave me the strength to walk in that door to hear all those things. So, oh, now I'm gone. So, <laughs> so Charlie, I thank you for opening up and sharing your story. And I am sure our listeners will be as in tears. So I hope they're not listening while they're driving because now they're going to have to pull to the side and blow their nose. So thank you, Charlie, for this time. Deb, you ask, you ask uh, how we do that, and, and I, I just leaned on the, the saying within each and every adversity is a seed of equal or greater benefit. Oh, it's beautiful. 
Thanks, Charlie. Thank you, Deb. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Penny University's A Podcast with Value. Please join us again for the next episode in this moving series, A Torn Heart, Loss of a Child. Until next episode, be strong, wise, and safe.